I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Ah, you found Leaves of Glen, didn't you? Uh, it's a podcast where I uh, read the hottest in public domain books and short stories. Uh, this week, we're reading The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus by Frank Baum, a children's book written in 1902. Uh, another thing is I'm running with a theme, and the theme is every segment of my podcast is uh, as if you're in my mansion, the Leaves of Glen mansion. And uh, every every segment's a room. Right now, we're currently in the drawing room. I've seen uh, documentaries about uh, you know on the BBC about people that lived in big mansions uh, back in the day with servants. And I think the drawing room is kind of where you bring people in to look studious and and kind of pose next to things as you talk about important stuff. Uh, we got nothing important to talk about here, though. In the drawing room. Um, you can hear the fire in the background. Do you see what I'm doing? I think you see what I'm doing. Um, which all should lend to the ambiance, which is French for room vibes. Uh, for this episode, which I'm releasing on Christmas Eve. Ah, what is it about uh, the ancient rites of Christmas that's so appealing? Is it the warm, crackling fire? Is it the, the gentle hum of the Christmas tree in the center of your room? Uh, is it the way that all the family gathers around the tree, holding hands and trying to find the same resonant hum as the tree and do that for about a half hour until they finally stop uh, from exhaustion and then open presents afterwards and drink Tom and Jerry's and, uh, and the parents get drunk and the kids go off and play with their toys. Oh, my cat's going crazy. Great. Um, maybe it's that. Maybe it's uh, how newfangled uh, traditions keep starting all the time. Started with this book. Apparently this book was popular. It was written by an author who wrote popular books like The Wizard of Oz. But wasn't good enough because uh, the times demanded more. So someone came up with a song about uh, the names of the reindeer. And none of them were flossy or glossy. I forget what the other one's called. Uh, it was Dancer and Prancer and uh, Rudolph, and one of them has a, an abnormality where his nose glows, and none of them worry about radiation or cancer. They just slap him on the front of the sleigh and take off. Uh, that was something that the Times needed, and uh, now the Times needs something new, which has been uh, Elf on the Shelf, where you're constantly being monitored by this doll that can hang from different things or sit on shelves and all sorts of stuff. I mean, they even sew his hands together so you can hang them from stuff. Uh, I did that to my kids, and I'm sure they were terrified, uh, because you're, so, you're being told, yes, it's watching you all the time, and it will uh, go back and tell Santa whether you're being good or bad, which is glorifying the, the craft of snitching, which I've always been told by my father is bad when he was doing special chores in the car, that he maybe wait in the car when he went inside a building. But uh, 
that's what the times need. It reflects uh, how we feel monitored by technology and uh, whatever else. What does the future bring? Uh, I don't know. I imagine since kids don't seem to need actual physical toys anymore, all they just need is uh, whatever's on their phone. Uh, Maybe buy them a video game uh, for a console or something, but even that seems to kind of be going out of fashion. Uh, Maybe someday in the future, a a sparkling, uh, magical phone will show up in your fireplace, and the phone's got a big old camera on it or something. It's always watching you and filming you and and posting what you're doing uh, live to places like Instagram and, uh, and TikTok. I don't know, just making things up, waiting for the big clock to strike, but uh, trying to figure out something clever to say about Christmas Eve, and I got nothing. Oh, my friend Matt, he sent me a Christmas card, which was completely surprising because I just forgot that he knew my address. And uh, it was cute. All it said on the inside was, like this card, in all caps, with an exclamation point. So thank you for sending that, Matt. It was very nice. Oh, thank God. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up this turd and uh, finish up this story so that we can all enjoy our Christmases. Okay, we're diving into the third part of this epic saga uh, of Santa Claus. This one's Old Age, Part 1, The Mantle of Immortality. And now we come to a turning point in the career of Santa Claus, and it is my duty to relate the most remarkable that has happened since the world began or mankind was created. First of all, very bold claims. Uh, second, who's the narrator at this point? Just a mysterious narrator making giant claims with this weird little man. Uh, relate the most remarkable that has happened since the world... All right, well, we'll just move on. We have followed the life of Claus from the time he was found a helpless infant by the wood nymph Nasile and referred the manhood, the great forest of Berzui. And we know how he began to make toys for children and how, with the assistance and uh, goodwill of the immortals, he was able to distribute uh, them to the little ones throughout the world. Okay, well, whatever. Uh, For many years, he carried on this noble work uh, for the simple, hard-working life he uh, led gave him perfect health and strength, much like me with this completely unknown podcast. And doubtless, a man can live longer in the beautiful Laughing Valley where there are no cares and everything is peaceful and merry than in any other part of the world. But when many years have rolled away, Santa Claus grew old and the long beard of golden brown that once covered his cheeks yeah, and his chin gradually became gray and finally turned to, uh, to pure white. His hair was white, too. And there were wrinkles at the corners of his eyes, which showed plainly when he laughed. Uh, he would never been a very tall man, but now he became a he became he became fat and waddled very much like a like a duck when he walked. But in spite of these things, he remained as lively as ever. I uh, was just as jolly and, and gay, and his his kind eyes sparkled as brightly as they did the first day when he 
came to the Laughing Valley, yet a time is sure to come when every mortal who has grown old and lived his life is required to leave this world for another. So it is no wonder that after Santa Claus... Is he going to die? After Santa Claus has driven his reindeer on many and many a Christmas Eve, uh, those staunch friends finally whispered among themselves that they had probably drawn his sledge for the last time. Then... All the forest of Berzee became sad, and all the Laughing Valley was hushed, and every living thing that had known Claus had used to love him and uh, to brighten at the sound of his footsteps or at the notes of his merry whistle. He whistled as he entered people's homes illegally. I had no doubt the old man's strength was at last exhausted, for he made no more toys but lay on his bed as in a dream. This is getting sad, real fast. The nymph Nasil, she who had reared him and had been his foster mother, was still youthful, strong and beautiful, and it seemed to her but a short time since this aged, gray-bearded man had laid in her arms and smiled on her with his innocent and baby lips. But this has shown the difference between mortals and immortals. It was, a, it was fortunate that the great Ack came to the forest at this time. Nasil sought him with troubled eyes and, and told him of the fate that threatened their friend Claus. At once the master became grave, and he leaned upon his axe and stroked his grizzled beard thoughtfully for many minutes, and then suddenly uh, stood up straight and uh, poised his powerful head with a firm resolve and stretched out his great right arm as if determined on doing some mighty deed, uh, for a thought had come to him so grand. Wow, you can hear my cats fighting in the background. That's pretty cool. Well, podcasts. Uh, so grand in his conception that all the world might well bow before the master woodsman and, and honor his name forever! Exclamation point. That's well known that when the, the great Ack once undertakes to do a thing, he never hesitates for an instant. Now he summoned his fleetest messengers and sent them in a fresh, uh, in a flash, to many parts of the earth. When they were gone and returned to the anxious seal and comforted her, saying, "Ah, be of good heart, my child. Our, our friend still lives, and uh, now run to your queen and tell her that I have summoned a council." of all the immortals of the world uh, to meet me here in Brazil this night. And if they obey and uh, hearken unto my words, uh, Claus will drive his reindeer for countless ages to come. Oh, at midnight, there was a wondrous scene in the ancient forest of Brazil where, for the first time in many centuries, the rulers of the immortals who inhabit the earth uh, gathered together. Uh, there was the queen of the water sprites, uh, whose beautiful form was as clear as crystal, but uh, continually dripped water on the bank of moss where she sat. And beside her uh, was the king of the, the sleep phase, uh, who carried a wand from the end of which was a, a fine dust fell all around so that no immortal could keep awake long enough to see him. And mortal eyes were sure to close in sleep as soon as the dust filled them. And next to him sat the gnome king, uh, whose people inhabit all the region under the earth's surface, where they, where they guard the precious metals uh, and the jewel stones that lie buried in the rock and ore. And at this right hand stood the king of the sound imps. 
who had wings on his feet, for his people are swift to carry all sounds that are made. And when they're, when they're busy, oh, they carry the sounds but short distances, where there are many of them. But sometimes they speed with the sounds to place... This is annoying. And miles away from the, where they are made. The king of the sound imps had an anxious and uh, careworn face, for most people have no consideration for the imps, and especially the boys and girls made a great many unnecessary sounds, which, this is, what is this? Which the imps are obliged to carry when they might be better employed. Great, let's move on. Yeah, the next in the circle of the immortals was the king of the wind demons, slender of frame, restless and uneasy as being confined in one place for even an hour. Uh, once in a while, I'd leave his place and circle around the glade. Uh, each time he did this to the fairy queen, was obliged to untangle the flowing locks of her golden hair and tuck them back in her pink ears. But she did not complain, for it was not often that the king of the wind demons came into the heart of the forest. After the fairy queen, whose home you know was in old Burzee, came to the king and the, of the light elves with, uh, with his two princes, Flash and, and Twilight, at his back. He never went anywhere without his princes, for they were, were so mischievous that he dared not let them wander alone. Ah, Prince Flash, they bore a lightning bolt in his right hand, that's fitting, and a horn of gunpowder in his left, that's weird, and his bright eyes roved consistently around as if he were long to use his blinding flashes. Uh, Prince Twilight held a great snuffer in one hand, don't know what that is, should I look that up? Let's see if that comes up with anything on the old Kindle. It's a small, hollow metal cone on the end of a handle used to extinguish a candle by smothering the flame. Now, there you go. And a big black cloak in the other, and it is well known that unless twilight is carefully watched, the snuffers or the cloak will throw everything into darkness. And darkness is the greatest enemy of the king of the light elves. In addition... Two of the immortals I have named were the king of the nooks who have come, we already know about them, from his home in the jungles of India, and the king of the riles, we already know about them, who lived among the gay flowers and the luscious fruits of uh, Valencia. Sweet Queen Zerline uh, of the wood nymphs completed the circle of immortals. Okay, we're finally done. But in the center of the circle sat three others who possessed powers so great, oh, that all the kings and queens showed their reverence. These were... Ack, the master woodsman of the world, who rules the forests and the orchards and the uh, groves. And, uh, and Kern, the master husbandsman of the world, who rules the grain fields. Are we just being introduced to him now? Uh, and the meadows and the gardens. And Bo, the master mariner of the world, who rules the seas and all the craft that float thereon like Neptune. And all the other immortals are more or less subject to these three. Oh, alright. When all had assembled, the master woodsman of the world stood up to address them, since he himself had summoned them to council. Very clearly, he told them the story of Claus, beginning at the time when he was a babe. Oh, they love that part of the story. And he had been adopted the child of the forest, and telling of his noble and generous nature, and his lifelong labors to make the children happy. And now, said Ak, when he had won the love of the world, the spirit of death is hovering over him. Of, of, of all men who have inhabited the earth, none other so well deserves immortality. 
Oh, for such a life cannot be spared so long as there are children of mankind to miss him and to grieve over his loss. Ah, we immortals are the servants of the world, and to serve the world we are permitted in the beginning to exist. But one of us is more worthy of immortality than uh, this man, Claus, who so sweetly ministers to the, to the little children, question mark. I paused, glanced around uh, the circle to find every immortal listening to me, eagerly nodding in approval. Finally, uh, the king of the wind demons, who had been whistling softly to himself, cried out, Eh, what is your desire, O oh, Ack? To bestow upon Claus the mantle of immortality, said Ack boldly. That this demand was wholly unexpected was proved by the immortals springing to their feet and looking to each other's face with dismay, and then upon Ack with wonder, for it was a grave matter, this parting with the mantle of immortality. The queen of the water sprites spoke in her low, clear voice, and the words sounded like raindrops splashing upon a, nah, a windowpane. In all the world, I'm not going to try to sound like a raindrops on a windowpane. In all the world, there is but one mantle of immortality, she said. The king of the sound phase added. Uh, it's a existence since the beginning, and uh, no mortal has ever dared to, to claim it. And the master mariner of the world arose and stretched his limbs, saying, nah, yeah, Only the vote that every immortal can be bestowed upon a mortal. Oh, I know all this, answered Ack quietly, but the mantle exists. And if it was created, as you say, in the beginning, it was because the Supreme Master knew that some day it would be required. Until now, no mortal has deserved it. But who among you dares deny that the good clause deserves it? Will you not all vote to bestow it upon him? Exclamation point. Question mark. Oh, they were all silent, still looking upon one another uh, questioningly. Uh, of what use is the mantle of immortality unless it is worn, demanded Ack. Uh, what will it profit, any one of us, to allow it to remain in its lonely shrine for all time to come? Enough, cried the Gnome King abruptly. We will vote on the matter, yes or no. For my part, uh, I say yes. And I, said the Fairy Queen promptly, and Ack rewarded her with a, with a smile, my people in Burzee will tell me that they have learned to love him. Therefore, I vote to give Claus the mantle, said the king of the Riles. Uh, he is already a, a comrade of the Nooks, announced the ancient king of that band. Uh, let him have immortality. Uh, let him have it. Let him have it, sighed the king of the Wind Demons. Yeah, why not, said the king of the uh, Sleep Phase. Yeah, he never disturbs the slumbers of my people. Uh, allow humanity. Uh, let the good claws be immortal. Oh, I do not object, said the king of the sound imps. Nor I, murmured the queen of the water sprites. If claws does not receive the mantle, it is clear none other can ever claim it, remarked the king of the light elves. So let us have done with the thing for all time. Well, the wood nymphs were the first to adopt him, said the Queen Zerlene. Of course, I shall vote to make him immortal. Ack, now turned to the master husbandsman of the world, who held up his right arm and said, Yes! Exclamation point. And the master mariner of the world did likewise, after which Ack, 
with sparkling eyes and smiling face, cried out, I, I thank you, fellow mortals, for all have voted yes. And so, to our dear claws shall fall uh, one mantle of immortality that it is in our power to bestow. Uh, let us fetch it at once, said the fake king. I'm in a hurry. Well, they bowed assent, and instantly the forest glade was deserted. But in a place midway between the earth and the sky was suspended a gleaming crypt of uh, gold and platinum, aglow with soft lights shed from the facets of countless gems. Within a, within a high dome hung the precious mantle of immortality, and each immortal placed a hand on the hem of the splendid robe and said, as with one voice, We bestow this mantle upon Claus, who is called the patron saint of Children! Exclamation point. At this, the mantle came away from its lofty crypt, and they carried it to the house in the Laughing Valley. The spirit of death, I was, I was crouching very near the bedside of Claus, and as the immortals approached, uh, she sprang up and motioned them back with an angry gesture. But when her eyes fell upon the mantle, they bore, she shrank away uh, with a low moan of disappointment and, and quitted that house forever. Softly, Silently, the immortal band dropped upon Claus the precious mantle, and it closed about him and sank into the outlines of his body and disappeared from view. It became a it became part of his being, and neither mortal nor immortal might ever take it from him. And then the kings and queens who had wrought this great deed dispersed to their various homes, and all were well contented that they had added another immortal to their band. And Claus slept on, oh, the red blood of everlasting life, uh, coursing swiftly through his veins, and his brow was a, a tiny drop of water had fallen from the ever-melting gown of the queen of water sprites, and uh, over his lips hovered a tender kiss that had been left by the sweet nymph Nasile. So much kissing going on through this whole book. For she had stolen in when the others were gone to gaze with rapture upon the immortal form of her foster son. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're like more than halfway through this book. Oh my God, I think we might actually wrap this up. Well, let's, uh, well, let's go to the master bedroom of my mansion where I can read to you the next segment and, and then we'll just move on to wrap this thing up. Oh, I'm so excited. Ah, you found me in the master bedroom of uh, the Leaves of Glen Mansion. Oh, have you have you had a long day at work? Uh, because uh, maybe your your place of employment has laid you off thanks to COVID, and they want to cut costs to uh, make their investors happy. Uh, oh, oh, and, and who's this this pear shaped cherub who's full of hair and all the weirdest places, especially the, around the nipples, which the term is called panda nipples, where you got dark hair on the nipples and just pure starking white everywhere else in your body. That's me. Oh, I slide in next to you in the silken sheets of our bed, and I whisper to you about a book called Alpha Night by Nalini Singh, which I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not saying that name right. Uh, it's coming out in June 9th, 2020. Um, the New York Times best again another New York Times best-selling book. Doesn't matter. The book's not even out yet. It's already uh, the New York Times best-selling book. Uh, 
uh, Nelly Singh returns to her breathtaking, sigh-challenging Trinity series with a, a mating that shouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Much like us with my grotesque body, my near 50-year-old sliding up next to you as I whisper with a, a hot, stinking breath into your ear that the alpha wolf Salinka Durov's devotion to her pack is equaled only by her anger at anyone who would harm those under her care burp that currently includes the empaths who flowed into her city for synopsium that was a, a security nightmare a powder keg just waiting to match Ethan Knight is an arrow uh, you know, isn't an arrow uh, numb and disengaged from the world, his loyal only to himself, assigned as part of a security force at a world first synopsium. Sym- sym- symposium. Yeah, that's me. I screwed that up. He carries a dark agenda tied to the power hungry and murderous uh, consortium. Uh, then violence erupts, and Ethan finds himself crashing into the heart and soul of an alpha wolf. Mating at first sight. Oh, uh, it's a myth. Eh, a fairy tale. Yet Salinka's wolf is resolute. Ethan Knight, broken arrow, and a man capable of obsessive devotion is the mate it has chosen. Even if the mating bond is full of static and not quite as it should be, uh, because Salinka's new mate has a terrible secret. His mind is surging with a power that is a creature of madness and death. Well... None of that made any sense to me at all. I literally read that and don't know what just came out of my mouth. I have no idea what I just read. So that's coming out in uh, June June 9th, 2020. So uh, eh, you can add it to the cart if you go to Penguin Random House. Eh, you can pre-order it. It's $27. Eh, maybe it'll get you aroused. I mean, it's uh, romance-themed. It sounds confusing. Pin's got a, uh, a lot of rules and uh, stuff. Uh, you probably should have read like the first nine books to understand what this one's about. But uh, nonetheless, this is what I whisper to you in our silken sheets of the master bedroom. Well, let's move back to the library where I continue reading to you about Santa. Section 2, Part 3, When the World Grew Old. Ah, the next morning when Santa Claus opened his eyes and gazed around the familiar room, which he had feared he might never see again. Also, he knew he was going to die. He was astonished to find his old strength renewed and to feel the red blood of perfect health coursing through his veins. Oh. Well, that's weird. Uh, he sprang from his bed and stood where the bright sunshine came in through the window and flooded him with its merry dancing race. He, he did not then understand that he had happened to restore to him the vigor of his youth, but in spite of the fact that his beard remained the color of snow and that the wrinkles still lingered in the corners of his bright eyes, old Santa Claus felt as brisk and merry as a boy of 16, and he was soon whistling contentedly as he busied himself fashioning new toys. Well, that's interesting. So, for the second time, a major decision was made on his behalf that he's completely unaware of. Uh, Apparently, he knew he was going to die because he's surprised to see the room the next morning like I should be dead by now. 
but uh, the the immortals who once waged a war on his behalf that he was completely unaware of now made a decision to make him immortal, which he's also unaware of. Good for him. I'd like to think that I could have had that. As I was saying earlier, with my existential crisis, uh, wouldn't it be great if uh, I, in my 47-year-old body, which is just crap kidneys and uh, a liver that's probably just looks like feces and uh, lungs that... God, those lungs have been through hell over the last uh, 40-some years. Uh, that if all of a sudden somebody goes, ah, well, you're trapped in this crap body, but you're going to live forever, and I still have the mind of a 23-year-old. Uh, it'd just be nice to know that. Okay, well, this is my lot. I'm going to live like this forever with this crap body, with the mind of a young man. Fine. Santa gets that, but he's not even aware of it. No one ever tells him. I wonder if I have that gift. No one's ever told me. Oh my god, I can live forever. Then Ak came to him and told the mantle of immortality. Uh, and how? Oh, so Ak tells him all about it. Well, no one's ever going to tell me. Damn it, I'll never know my secret. Uh, for the love of the little children, it made old Santa look grave for a moment to think that he had been so favored. But it also made him glad to realize that now... He need never fear being parted from his dear ones. Well, that's creepy. At once, he began preparations for making a remarkable assortment of pretty and amazing playthings, and in larger quantities than ever before. Uh, For now, that he might always devote himself to the work, he decided that no child in the world, poor or rich, should hereafter go without a Christmas gift if he could manage to supply it. So now he knows he can live forever, just keep kissing all sorts of strange children. This is a monster that's being created right now in this story. The world was new in the days when dear old Santa Claus first uh, began toy-making, and won by his loving deeds the mantle of immortality and the task of supplying cheering words, sympathy, and pretty playthings to all the young of his race did not seem a difficult undertaking at all. But every year, more and more children were born into the world... Ugh, just more opportunities for him. And these, when they grew up, began spreading slowly all over the face of the earth. Seeking new homes, so that when Santa Claus found each year, his journeys must extend farther and farther from the Laughing Valley, and that his packs of toys must be made larger and uh, ever larger. Uh, So at length, he took counsel with his fellow immortals, Uh, how his work might keep pace with the increasing number of children that none might be so neglected. And the immortals were so greatly interested in his labors that they gladly rendered him their assistance. Ack gave him uh, his man-kilter. In quotes, the silent and swift. Well, let's find out what a kilter is, thanks to the Kindle. Uh, Out of harmony or balance... Daylight Savings Throws Everyone's Body Clock Out of Kilter. Early 17th Century of Unknown Energy. Okay, well, that didn't help at all. Uh, And the Nook Prince gave him Peter, who was more crooked and less surly than any of his brothers. And the Ryle Prince gave him Nutter, the sweetest tempered Ryle ever known. And the Fairy Queen gave him Whisk, ah, the tiny, mischievous, but lovable fairy who knows today almost as many children as does Santa himself. Well, that's creepy on two levels. 
with these people to help make the toys and to keep his house in order and to look after the sledge and the harness, Santa Claus found it much easier to prepare his yearly load of gifts, and his days began to follow one another smoothly and pleasantly. Yet, after a few generations, his worries were renewed, for it was remarkable how the number of people continued to grow and how many more children uh, there were every year to be served. Uh, when the people filled all the cities and the lands of one country, they wandered into another part of the world. The men cut down the trees in many of the great forests that had been ruled by Ak, and with wood they built their new cities, and where the forests had been the fields of grain and herds of browsing cattle. You might think that the master woodsman would rebel against the lawsuits for us, but not so. Oh, they're finally going to address this issue. The wisdom of Ak was mighty and far-seeing. Quote, The world was made for men. Oh, here we go, said he to Santa Claus. And I have but guarded the forests until men needed them for their use. Yeah, I am glad my strong trees can furnish shelter for men's weak bodies and, and warm them uh, through the cold winters. Oh, but I hope they will not cut down all the trees, for mankind needs the shelter of the woods in the summer as much as the warmth of the blazing logs in the winter. And, and, and however crowded the world may grow, I do not think men will come to Burzee, nor to the great black forest, nor to the wooded wilderness of Braz, unless they seek the shades for their pleasure and not to destroy their giant trees. Now that's cute. And... By and by, eh, people made ships in the tree trunks and crossed over oceans and built cities on far lands, but the oceans made little difference to the journeys of Santa Claus. His reindeer sped over the waters as swiftly as over the land, and his sledge headed from east to west and followed in the wake of the sun, so that as the earth rolled slowly over, Santa Claus had all 24 hours to encircle it. Uh, in each Christmas Eve, and the speedy reindeer enjoyed these wonderful journeys more and more. So, year after year, and generation after generation, and century after century, the, the world grew older, and the people became more numerous, and the labors of Santa Claus steadily increased. Oh, the fame of his good deeds spread to every household where children dwelt. Creepy. And all the little ones loved him dearly creepy, and the fathers and mothers honored him for the happiness uh, he had given them when they were, when they too were young. Oh, Lord, that's just grooming. And the aged Grand Myers and the Grand Mames remembered him with tender gratitude and blessed his name. Part three, the final part, we're almost done. The deputies of Santa Claus. However, there was one evil following in the path of civilization that uh, caused Santa Claus a vast amount of trouble before he discovered a way to overcome it. Uh, but fortunately, it was the last trial he was forced to undergo. Uh, one uh, Christmas Eve, when his reindeer had leapt to the top of a new building, Santa Claus was surprised to find that the chimney had been built uh, much smaller than usual. Nah. But he had no time to think about it just then, so he drew his breath and made himself as small as possible and slid down the chimney. Uh, I ought to be at the bottom of this by, uh, by this time, he thought as he continued to slip downward, but no fireplace of any sort met his view. And by and by, he reached the very end of the chimney, which was the cellar. 
Yeah, yeah this is odd, he reflected, much puzzled by his spirits. If there's no fireplace, what on earth is a chimney good for? Then he began to climb out again and found it hard work. Oh, the space being so small, and on his way up, he noticed a thin, round pipe sticking through the side of the chimney, but could not guess what it was for. Finally, he reached the roof and said to the reindeer, uh, There's no need of my going down that chimney, for I could find no fireplace which to enter the house. I, I fear the children who live there must go without playthings this Christmas. Now, then he drove on and soon came to another new house with a small chimney, and this caused Santa Claus to shake his head doubtfully. But he tried the chimney nonetheless and found it exactly like the other. And moreover, he nearly struck it fast in the narrow, flew and tore the jacket, trying to get out again. So, although he came to several such chimneys that night, he did not venture to send any more of them. And what in the world are people thinking of? It had been such useless chimneys, he exclaimed. In all the years I have traveled with my reindeer, I have never seen the light before. That, that, true enough, but Santa Claus had not been then discovered that the stoves had been invented. They were fast coming into use. Uh, when he did find it out, he wondered how these builders of those houses could have so little consideration for him. Because he's the center of the world, as far as he's concerned, with access to children that he can smooch while they're sleeping. Uh, when they knew very well it was his custom to climb down chimneys and enter houses by way of fireplaces. Perhaps a perhaps the men who built those houses had outgrown their love for toys. They were indifferent whether Santa Claus called on their children or not. Whether the explanation might be that uh, the poor children were forced to bear the burden of grief and disappointment. Now, the following year, Santa Claus found more and more of the new-fashioned chimneys uh, that had no fireplaces, and the next year, still more. Third year, oh, so numerous had the narrow chimneys become that he had a, a few toys left in his sledge that he was unable to give away because he could not get to the children. The matter had now become so serious that it worried the good man greatly. He decided to talk it over with Kilter and uh, Peter and Nutter and, uh, and, 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 and Whisk. Kilter already knew something about it, for he had been his duty to run around all the houses just before Christmas and gather up the notes and letters to Santa that the children had written, uh, telling what they wished for put in their stockings or hung on their Christmas trees. Eh, but Kilter was a, was a silent fellow and seldom spoke of what he saw in the cities and villages. The, the others were very indignant. Ah, those people act as if they do not wish their children to be made happy, said sensible Peter in a, in a vexed tone. Eh, the idea of shutting out such a generous friend, the little ones. But it is my intention to make children happy whether their parents wish it or not, returned Santa Claus. Years ago, when I first began making toys, ah, eh, children were even more neglected by their parents than they are now. So I've learned to pay no attention to the thoughtless or selfish parents, uh, but to consider only the longings of childhood. Ah, you're right, my master, said Nutter and Ryle. Many children would lack a friend if you did not consider them and try to make them happy. Then, declared the laughing whisk, we must abandon any thought of using these new-fashioned chimneys. Ah, ah but, but become burglars and break into the houses some other way. 
"'What way?' asked Santa Claus. Oh, "'Why, walls of brick and wood and plaster and nothing, nothing to fairies. "'Oh, I can easily pass through them whenever I wish. "'And so I get Peter and Nutter and Kilda. Isn't that, "'Isn't that so, comrades?' Oh, I often pass through the walls, and I, and I gather up the letters, said Kilter. And that was a long speech for him, and so surprised Peter and Nutter that their big, round eyes nearly popped out of their heads. Therefore, that's, I kind of wish I could hear that speech. Therefore, continued the fairy, you may as well take us with you on your next journey. And, and when we come to one of those houses uh, with stoves instead of fireplaces... We will distribute the toys to the children without the need of using a chimney. Well, that seems to me a good plan, replied Santa Claus, well pleased at having solved the problem. Eh, we will try it next year. That was how the fairy, the pixie, and the nook, and the ryle all rode in the sledge with their master eh, the following Christmas Eve, and they had no trouble at all in entering the new-fashioned houses and leaving the toys for the children that lived in them. And their deft services not only relieved Santa Claus of uh, much labor, but enabled him to complete his own work more quickly than usual, so that the merry party found themselves at home with an empty sledge uh, a full hour before daybreak. The only drawback to the journey is that the mischievous whisk persisted in, in tickling the reindeer uh, with a long feather. This is getting weird, because the reindeer kind of like that stuff. We already uh, made that clear in an earlier episode, uh, to see them jump. And Santa Claus found it necessary to watch them every minute and to tweak his long ears once or twice to make him behave himself. But then altogether the trip was a great success. And to this day the four little folk always accompany Santa Claus on his yearly ride and help him in the distribution of these gifts. But the indifference of the parents which had so annoyed the good saint, did not continue very long, and Santa Claus soon found that they were really anxious he should visit their homes on Christmas Eve and, and leave presents for their children. So, to lighten the task, which was fast becoming very difficult indeed, the old Santa decided to ask the parents to assist him. Oh, here we go. Oh, this is where in this realm that he's created. Now, if a kid finds a parent putting presents under the tree... There's a reason. Get your Christmas trees all ready for my coming, he said to them, and then I shall be able to leave the presents without loss of time, and you can put them on the trees when I'm gone. And to others he said, See that the children's stockings are hung up in readiness for my coming, and then I can fill them as quick as a wink. And often... When parents were kind and good-natured, Santa Claus would simply fling down his package of gifts and leave the, fa uh, the fathers and the mothers to fill the stockings after he had darted away in his sledge. Oh, I'll, I'll make all loving parents my deputies, <laughs> cried the jolly old fellow, and they shall help me do my work, for in this way I shall save many precious minutes, and few children shall be neglected for the lack of time to visit them. Besides carrying around the big packs in his swift flying sledge, old Santa began to spend great heaps of toys and the toy shops so that if parents wanted larger supplies for their children, they should easily get them. And if any children were by chance misled by Santa Claus on his yearly rounds, uh, they could go to the toy shops and get enough to make them happy and contented. For the loving friend of the little ones decided that no child 
if he could help it, should long for toys in vain. And the toy shop should also prove convenient whenever the child fell ill and needed a new toy to amuse it. That's weird. And sometimes on birthdays and fathers and mothers would go to toy shops and, and get pretty gifts for their children in honor of a happy event. And perhaps you will now understand how, in spite of the bigness of the world, Santa Claus was able to supply all the children with beautiful gifts to be sure the old gentleman is rarely seen in these days, but it's not because he, he tries to keep out of sight, I assure you. Santa Claus is the same loving friend of children that in the old days used to play and romp with them by the hour. And I know he would love to do the same now if he had the time, but you see he is busy all the year making toys, so he hurried on that one night when he visits our homes with his packs and he can, comes and goes amongst us like a flash. And it's almost impossible to catch glimpse of And although there are millions and millions more children in the world than there used to be, Santa Claus has uh, never known to complain of their increasing numbers. Uh, uh, the more the merrier, he cries with a jolly laugh. And the only difference to him is the fact that his little workmen have made their busy fingers fly faster every year to satisfy the demands of so many little ones. In all this world, there's nothing so beautiful uh, as a happy child, says good old Santa Claus, as if he had his way. The children would all be beautiful, for all would be happy. Ah, uh, here we are in the smoking room. I think that's what I've decided is the uh, where we wrap up the story. Uh, here in the mansion of Leaves of Glen. Uh, uh, we're finally done. This weird epic tale of Santa that means nothing ultimately because it doesn't follow any of the stuff that we know about Santa. Where's Dancer? Where's Prancer? Where's the glowing nose of Rudolph? Uh, none of that's here, so it's useless. He tried to create an entire universe, uh, kind of like any of the Marvel movies we see now, for Santa, and uh, it kind of got discarded. No one really pays attention to it. Well, he tried to start a franchise, and it failed. What happened here? Uh, Santa is suddenly immortal, and just like everything else, oh, he's an innocent. He doesn't know about the war that was fought over him. He doesn't know about him being made immortal. And, uh... He just gets to, uh, much like me, have a crap body with a young mind that he just keeps doing for infinity. Well, lucky him. Um, then it's just the technicalities of uh, how do you get down small chimneys? Uh, chimneys without fireplaces, just like with furnaces. They do that. How do you get around that? Well, you get the, the weird random fairies and riles and stuff that can apparently pass through walls. If they can pass through walls and grab notes from children for Santa, how do they get back through the wall without the note not being able to pass through the wall? That was a weird moment I had for myself as I was reading it. And um, same thing with the toys. Uh, they're going to pass through a, just pass through a wall with the toys. The toys become transparent or something? I don't understand how this works. There's I, I get 
wrapped up with these things. It's a lot like with uh, Star Trek. Uh, whenever they did the, the teleportation thing, their atoms get broken down, which basically kills the original person and gets reassembled later in a different location, which means it's basically a new person. So that's not the same person. It's a clone of the person. So the original person, you're basically just killing people over and over again to transport. I think the same thing with the toys, the notes. Uh, I get wrapped up in this kind of stuff. But, uh, and then it's just a lot of that. And then, um, yeah, he gets to, uh, as uh, apparently the Laughing Valley, wherever country that's supposed to be in, is the birthplace of all humanity. And then human beings traveled out from there across the world, and he chases after them. He's dedicated his immortal life towards chasing after children. And parents that are lazy and unkind will not give those kids uh, decent presents. And uh, it's up to him to find those kids and kiss them while they sleep. Just get up on there. And just snuggle them and kiss them. It's the whole story is not as cute as I think the author intended it to be, at least in these modern times. Uh, what's good? Well, he tried. He tried to make Santa uh, accessible and explainable. Uh, what sucks? Uh, that Santa comes off as kind of a creepy guy through the whole thing. He's dedicating his entire life towards just getting access to more kids, which is pretty not cool. It, it wouldn't be a big deal if they did mention all the kissing in the earlier chapters. That was the biggest problem for me. Uh, what do we learn from all this? Well, if you, if you love something, even if it's terrifying and horrible, um, you can dedicate your life to it, and people will learn to respect you. Much like I like to think, with me with this podcast, someday someone will say, ah, nice work, buddy. Well, with that, uh, I hope you enjoy your holiday, uh, and, uh, and try not to get your family sick. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a house nuzzle. So you got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's one left. 